0: It's typical. Um, Most people think of of balloons, party balloons, when you talk about helium. Uh, But the, um, um, you know, industrial countries, they thrive on helium, particularly in the manufacturing process. Yeah. Uh, So um, probably one of the most um, significant developments from a demand perspective is the United States is now uh, attracting Semiconductor manufacturers to move to the United States so we can be independent on these semiconductor
1: chips. Everybody, welcome to the Angel Research Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Stutman, and we are here as usual today to discuss the market's hottest stock stories and investment opportunities. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a resource that I think uh, most investors generally don't consider, um, and that resource is helium. I think when most people think about helium, they think about maybe uh, birthday balloons and uh, high-pitched voices. But uh, helium is actually a critical resource for a lot of the products and in the industries that we rely on today. Um, today, we have uh, Robert Price on the show to kind of walk us through this conversation. Robert is the CEO of Total Helium, which is a helium exploration, production, and uh, storage company with some uh, some key assets in Kansas, correct?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Okay, uh, quick disclaimer. Nothing that we say here is personal advice. Uh, we give you the tools and the insights that you need to make great investment decisions, but uh, we can not make those decisions for you. Also, uh, like and subscribe to the video uh, and comment as well. Um, with all that out of the way, Robert, welcome to the show. Well, Jason, it's a pleasure to be here, and, and thanks for um, inviting me
0: here to Angel Pub. Appreciate it. 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 It's good to have you out here. Um, did you, you travel? You, you flew? <clears throat> I, I did. We're, uh, our offices are based out of Denver, Colorado. Our main area
1: is Kansas, but we're uh, in several states. Okay. Um, let's start off, and you could kind of maybe give us a little bit of background about yourself. I know that you've been in, this, uh, in the resource industry for many years, maybe as long as I've been alive. Uh, so uh, maybe you could just kind of like, tell us how you got into the resource space uh, early on, and then maybe like, walk us up to the creation of Total Helium, and we can uh, kick off the conversation from there. Yeah, Um,
0: so my background started in the early 90s in exploration. Uh, We were drilling wells in the mid-continent area. We uh, we expanded into the Williston Basin, too. Um, My other part of my career is um, we, I, uh, purchased manufacturing facilities. We made natural gas compressors called S&R Compression. Uh, I also owned a... um, uh, automotive supplier. We supplied all of Ford Motor Company's North American automotive glass. We had about 1,200 employees. Uh, so I've been involved in primarily manufacturing, but the passion of my life, uh, of course, my family, but uh, in addition to that is oil and gas exploration, and particularly
1: helium exploration. Okay. Um, when did you kind of get into helium exploration? Well, it was a few years ago. Um,
0: we were looking um, at the, in the area of the Hugoton Basin. That is in um, Kansas, uh, Pan Amal of Oklahoma, and into Texas. Uh, back in uh, the early 1920s, there was a discovery of both natural gas and helium. Um, it is the largest natural gas and helium field in North America, It supplied the world's supply of helium for almost uh, a century. Um, The major oil and gas companies owned the fields in and around that area. And as they were expanding the field, uh, they started encountering, um, they they had probably three main challenges as they were expanding the field. First of all, they started encountering more water. When you have more water, when you're producing natural gas and helium, there's additional costs first of all. Because you have to dispose it, correct? You have to dispose of it. And, you know, since, you know, the past several decades, technologies have changed with both disposal and moving water, uh, being able to have submersible pumps or uh, rod pumps at the surface that are very large. Uh, that was one of the, one of the challenges. Uh, also, an additional challenge is the gas composition. As you start coming um, up, dip the area that we're in, uh, it's about 60 percent methane, Uh, 30-plus percent nitrogen. So if you can imagine, they weren't paid much for their natural gas. And with the ebbs and flows of the oil and gas industry, uh, at some times they were only getting less than a dollar in MCF. So they didn't have the incentive to continue to drill. And probably the most important factor is they were not being paid for their helium. Helium was considered a byproduct of methane, of natural gas and so when we decided when i decided to move forward with this project and exploit this truly massive resource i wanted to make sure first of all we were getting paid for the helium sure and so when i uh, started the leasing program it was actually during the pandemic uh, we had a team of landmen in western kansas dealing with farmers and ranchers Um, buying oil and gas leases takes patience and uh, it was actually a good time working with these farmers and ranchers to acquire this
1: 115,000 acre lease block. Sure. Why weren't the the bigger gas companies uh, monetizing that helium? Is that just because it's kind of like they're so big that it doesn't? It, it's kind of like a drop in the bucket for them, or is it? Was it just because they didn't have the the, the know how or the capability to do it?
0: Yeah. the, um, um, the The United States government got in the helium business during World War I. Yeah. If you can imagine uh, sending up balloons to potentially bomb your adversaries, that was actually high-tech back then. And so um, even today, if you have a federal lease, you have to get a special exception from the United States government to be able to produce the helium. Okay. And so they were were in the business, and uh, some of the producers didn't have the process— Processing facilities, but again, it was just um, it was considered a,
1: a byproduct. Okay, I yeah. want to get back to some of this later, but let's uh, just back up a, a bit. And uh, could you maybe lay out like a broad background of the helium market in general for our audience um, and we could kind of like maybe we'll, we'll touch on demand first then hit on supply and then maybe we could hit on storage yeah uh, so so in, in context of demand uh, which industries are driving most demand for helium right now and then maybe which uh, which regions of the world are, are pushing pushing most of yeah. that demand
0: uh, well it's, it's typical uh, most people think of, of balloons party balloons yeah. when you talk about helium, Uh, But the, um, um, you know, industrial countries, they thrive on helium, particularly in the manufacturing process. Uh, So, um, probably one of the most um, significant developments from a demand perspective is the United States is now uh, attracting semiconductor manufacturers to move to the United States so we can be independent on these semiconductor chips. The United States Congress, uh, the Senate, just passed a bipartisan act to spend 50 some billion dollars to attract these companies. Mm -hmm. And so if you're an industrial gas company and you are selling products, this helium, to the um, um, semiconductor industry, if you tell them that, well, I'm gonna get my helium from Russia, or I'm gonna get my helium from Qatar, Um, and there's a long logistical way to get it here, um, you're not going to be that competitive. Sure. Because they want to have the helium, a domestic supply of helium, here in the United States on demand if they're spending tens of billions of dollars on these plants. So to answer your question, Jason, that's the biggest driver. Now, of course, the aerospace industry and other industries um,
1: use helium as well. Okay. Uh, Can you, could you speak at all to the, what exactly helium is used for? Is it similar to like NEON where it's used for like the las like the lasering or? Exactly. I mean, it's very similar in, um,
0: in the space program. It's used to purge the systems before uh, you put the other gases in. Okay. But pretty simple. Yes.
1: Okay. Um, On the supply side, where is most of the supply coming from at this moment?
0: Well, hopefully the supplies be coming from us, Jason. Okay. I mean that that's truly our, our goal yeah. is to open up this massive helium discovery. Um, but um, the industry was hopeful that much of the supply was coming from Qatar and from Russia. And we all know what's going on with the Ukrainian war and those disruptions. So there is a um, a push to make sure that we have domestic supply. Uh, so where do you find helium? Where the biggest field in the world has been, sure. and that's here in, in Kansas.
1: Okay. Um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about the, the Federal Helium Reserve or the history of that? So my understanding is there used to be a Federal Helium Reserve, and there was some kind of Um, I guess, act of Congress or some kind of legislation that uh, has been winding that down over time. Uh, What's the status of that now? Can you give us some context there?
0: Yeah, it it is being wound down. Uh, The helium that's in the reserve has already been pre-sold at auction. So, the industrial gas companies, they own that helium. Okay.
1: So, it's essentially empty and for all intents and purposes.
0: For all intents and purposes. And there's there's questions whether or not it will actually eventually be auctioned off or just shut down and shuttered. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and can I – Yeah, I, go I, I, I want to share um, what we are doing. And I, I want to step back just for a, sure. a, a second, Jason. <clears throat> when we were aqu- acquiring our oil and gas leases, I first of all, I funded – the lease acquisition i put in several million dollars to fund the leases yep. in kansas um, i wanted to make sure that we were actually paid for our helium and so i entered into an agreement with lindy lindy is a 150 billion dollar market cap industrial gas company worldwide um, they paid they started helping us fund our project they put in Nine hundred fifty thousand. They put another nine hundred fifty thousand. They pay us on a monthly basis as we expand our our field. Sure. And so, uh, but I, I, I'm going back to your question, Jason. Yep. What is so key, um, not only for us but for Lindy, with the uh, storage facility being potentially shut down, the U.S. We are developing our own storage field. Gotcha. And we have um, we're in the process of permitting, we've done all the geological work, all the engineering work, and um, uh, right now uh, we're 50-50 partners with Lindy on that. Again, you want to make sure that when you are talking to the space program, when you're talking with the semiconductors and supplying them, um, even MRI machines uh, require certain amount of helium for cooling properties. Yep. Um, you want to make sure that you can say, we have a dependable supply on demand for your businesses. And that's why what we're doing is we are um, putting in a helium storage facility in and around the infrastructure uh, near Lindy's liquefaction plant.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the, okay, the Lindy please. partnership later. Love, yeah, um, Real quick, the, uh, the helium market over the years has been plagued with shortages. Yes. Um, I, I, I kind of in my you know preliminary research for this podcast, I was uh, basically people are saying that we're like entering shortage number 4.0. I don't know if you I don't know if you think that it's worth like getting into all the previous shortages. But my question is, why is there so much turmoil or has there been so much turmoil in the he- helium market uh, so far? Is this is this like basically a string of bad luck or is there something inherently tricky about storing and producing helium that has kind of gotten us to this gotten us to that point? Yeah.
0: Um, I, I, I would say that I mean, first of all, you have to drill a well for it, and generally it's in very small quantities. Mm-hmm. So our gas composition, um, it is six tenths of a percent. But when you, if you look at natural gas, and we're receiving right now eight dollars an MCF for our natural gas, which what, is what's an
1: MCF? Just to educate uh, anybody, a million
0: cubic feet, million okay. cubic feet. It's um, um, a, a measuring but it's traditionally uh natural gas has been around a dollar to three dollars an MCF maybe four uh what we've seen recently with the Ukrainian war is it's now eight dollars an MCF and so I I want to just can I share with you just a little bit about the numbers yeah of course okay the numbers are our well if it produces 300 MCF a day we have 60 percent, is 60 percent methane, at eight dollars, an MCF, mm-hmm. that's about forty-five thousand dollars a month. We also have liquids, propanes, and other natural gas liquids. We have three gallons per million, and if you do the math on that, um, at an average cost of eighty-eight cents a gallon, that's another twenty-two, twenty-three thousand dollars a month. And then the helium component, Jason. You're talking per well, correct? Per, per well yep. per month. Uh, and then the helium component right now we're receiving $212 per mcf, which is a very high price for helium. But because of the shortage that you just brought up, Jason, there is spot market that people are paying between 1000 and $1500 per mcf for helium. And so there is a desperate need. If you sure. if you want a party balloon, good luck. Yeah. Because it's very tough yeah. to get party balloons and other things. Well,
1: so this is something that I was reading a couple of weeks ago about helium was that, uh, you know, the, there is a, such a shortage that people literally are having a hard time filling up a party balloon. Yeah. And even, uh, I, th- I think it's helium. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure you could let me know. But uh, that uh, PhD students at Harvard were basically having to change their, yeah. uh, their, their, th- like their, their thesis because they weren't able to get use the scientific instruments that they needed, so that is, I mean, I just, think that kind of speaks to the to the level of short j- of shortage. Just have them
0: call us, Jason. Okay, have, sure,
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Hey, if you
0: need if you need helium, you guys know where to go. <laughs> um, but but on on just a one well basis, um, we we can at, at a lower price of two hundred twelve dollars an MCF for the helium with the methane with the liquids, <clears throat> just one well can can. Um, generate over eighty thousand dollars a month on one well at very minimal rates. Sure. When we originally started this project, our competent person said we would do a thousand MCF a day. Well, right now we have produced three hundred MCF a day, and that is that at that minor amount. But if we had a higher price for helium um, with a higher production rate, and we are we're figuring this thing out on this on this. Massive discovery. We are figuring it out. Um, the numbers are, to me, shocking because we have over 200 wells that we can drill, okay. and we have more
1: ability to get additional leases. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more about the the it's the helium project, right, in the in the Hugoton Basin. Okay. I want some details on it. How much land? How long is the lease? Uh, how much helium there? Do you have in general uh, or estimated? And then maybe. What do you estimate at this moment to be the total value of the, of the reserves? I know you said you're still figuring it out, but it, you know, answer those answer those questions as best you can. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, first of all, when we started the program, it's buying oil and gas leases in Kansas from farmers and ranchers. Which I, I'll say it again, they're a great group of people to work with. They've yep. been so supportive of us. Um, we uh, we buy the oil and gas leases. The term of the leases, it will have at least 5 to 15 years to develop the asset. Okay. So we have plenty of time and plenty of term on the oil and gas leases. We leased up to 115,000 acres, which, Jason, that is a lot of land. And we can drill one well per 640 acres. We'll probably be able to drill two wells per 640 acres. Um, the, um, as I mentioned, um, assuming we have sustained rates... At 300 mcf a day, um, at the current pricing, current pricing, and again, we may be able to get much better pricing sure. on the helium. Um, you know, that's that's under a million dollars per well, um, and we have 200 of those wells, um, and then we have running room to
1: to move beyond. How many wells do you have online currently? Two wells. Two wells, and what's the uh any rough timeline in a year how many wells are you gonna have in two years how many wells are you gonna have
0: well what we're we're doing right now we are being very methodical about how we exploit this this resource the very first well we drilled what we did is there are there are six horizons we went to the very lowest horizon and we stimulated it um, and we tested that it has a fair amount of water and so we go through what we call a dewatering process so as we bring more water out, the gas rate increases. Okay. And so we did that first, and then we went up and we learned that when we stimulate this, it doesn't go into those other five zones. So we went back and stimulated those zones on our first well. That well is the furthest south on our acreage block. We went 20 miles north for our second well. And we did the same thing. We stimulated the first one. Uh, That well was producing 300 MCF a day. We put it into the pipeline. Uh, We had 50-pound back pressure on it, so it was producing 180 MCF a day. And then the learnings from the first well led us to the second well because we only opened up two of the zones in the second well, and we are getting 300 MCF a day with the back pressure 180. And then we just stimulated all the other zones okay and now we are waiting for the results we we're producing it we from when the stimulation we have sand so a little bit of sand came in the well bore. that's cleaning up um we we, we should know pretty quick and it's okay it's, it's truly um it's pretty impactful not only for our little company but to our um our industrial gas company too sure. it's very impactful because We are selling into the pipeline, it's going into a plant, Um, they're breaking out the liquids, the LNGs, and then they are delivering the helium to our industrial gas partner.
1: Okay. Uh, Speaking of your your industrial partner, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Lindy, uh, that partnership? Uh, I know you said earlier it was a 50-50. I know you said that they're, you know uh you know they're paying you on on the regular i know there were some consulting fees involved there's also some uh you yeah. know they have a right to the uh, you know a right to purchase at a specific amount could you give yes. us you know as many as much yeah, details you a, can
0: a, a, absolutely so the 50 50 that's just on the gas storage okay um and so we're advancing the gas storage Yep. that's 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 separate um again they put in when i was funding this 100 percent myself um i wanted to i and Jason, I didn't know if we'd be actually be a public company. We were thinking of going the, down the private route, um, and that's when I brought in private investment from Lindy, where they put the nine hundred fifty thousand in, another nine hundred fifty thousand in, and um, and then we um, um, we decided to go down the public route, uh, which gave us a little bit more access to capital, um, and then we were able to to drill additional wells. We have uh, resources in the bank, cash. Yep to build to drill more wells, Uh, but what we're doing is we are being very methodical how we exploit this resource. One well to the south, one well to the north, open up one zone, open up the other zones, and get a really good amount. Now we're also doing a study to do a horizontal drilling program. So we wanna make sure that these wells are cash flowing, producing, and then we'll make the determination do we do other vertical well bores, or do we do a horizontal well where we can significantly increase the rates that we have already discovered?
1: And what exactly are you looking for in these study results? Like, What, what, what information like, tells you whether or not you should continue with a horizontal well or whether or not you should continue with a with yeah, the well? Yeah,
0: that's, that's a great question. Um, so, so we have these, these six zones. Mm-hmm. We stimulated this one. And we thought the stimulation went up to these other zones. Well, we found out we put in tracers to verify whether or not it has gone up or down. We found out it didn't. So the question is, if we did one stimulation here, and you have to stimulate it for it to produce, you stimulate it here.
1: And is this, or is the stimulation just draining the water you were saying, or what? what the gas, the
0: gas, and the gas, the helium, and the water. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, what it does is we we pump sand in okay um and open up the uh, the rock so it creates kind of a uh, a reservoir okay. or a void that all the water and all the gas come in so the question is your to your question you have these six zones we did this and it didn't migrate up so we had to come back in we have our well born we we perforate we stimulate here then we come up and perforate here and perforate here well the question is on the horizontal drilling if we go down and over like this, if we stimulate here, does the stimulation go up? Does the stimulation go down? Our study says it will. It will. So um, we are, again, very methodically, and I just just to share a an analogy with you. This is a dewatering play. So this is it's been proven over and over again in the oil and gas industry. You take the water out; it reduces the pressure. The gas rate kicks up. Gotcha. And over and over again, proven. Um, but it's a, it is an application. And when the shell industry, where they had multi-stage fracking, when that was first developed, um, you had certain learnings from that. We have certain learnings, yep. and our learnings are just
1: really positive right now as far as how the what what our trajectory is all right well that's that's good news to hear um i have a personal uh curiosity here uh the storage unit uh it's underground yes uh why why is it why why do you guys store underground
0: the cost just cost. yeah it's it's a we we will be storing between two tenths and four tenths of a bcf Uh, it would be totally um, non-economic to try to build tanks uh, that big. So okay, it's, so you're using the Earth as like a natural tank. Exactly. Okay, that's and, re- okay. Can I can I share just some of the science behind it, I Jason? Would love, I would love to hear it. It is fascinating. Uh, so what you have is you have this uh, very thick zone of salt, pure salt, and it's embedded salt, so it's it's impermeable. It is very solid. Uh, the The U.S. Strategic Reserve in the Gulf Coast—that's where that oil is stored. How do you create a cavern within that? You pump fresh water down the well bore, mm. and then it slowly starts dissolving it away. And then you create this cavern, but it is it is a beautiful seal. What the um, uh, Bureau of Land Management, the U.S. government's doing, not as not not a perfect seal. What this will do is this will create it the element is so small. Yeah. I mean, hydrogen, then helium. And it likes, and, and that's one reason there's
1: shortage. It likes to escape, Yep. it likes to get out of the ground. yeah. yeah, so that's actually really interesting because I think that like I mean, I at least think of like whenever I hear like a reserve, I think that there's like tanks sitting underground, but yeah. th- that that actually makes more sense. and yeah. I mean especially from an economical perspective. yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not sure if you could even uh, comment on this, but, uh, you know, some, uh, some analysts are speculating on, uh, you know, potential buyout with Lindy. Is that something you would ever consider? Um, and if so, uh, how do you determine what's best for your shareholders in that case?
0: Um, well, so we, we look at, um, you know, how to create the best value for our shareholders. Um, and we have, you know, everything's on the table for potential increasing shareholder value. I can't speak specific to that that question, but um, uh, let it be known we don't have any
1: stone unturned. Fair enough. Um, on the the side of the water disposal, um, is do you, is there any competition that you guys are facing? Where like you guys have an edge over? Like what 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 is the edge that Total Helium has over other helium producer, producers? Um. So,
0: well, first of all, we're in a region that is producing helium. Yeah we're in the middle of the infrastructure. So in order for us to have um, a well, you need three main infrastructures. Let, let, let me let me talk about, as far as competition, what other people are doing. There's some people um, in Saskatchewan and Canada, there's some people in Arizona, uh, there's New Mexico, there's there's other people producing Wyoming. Um, actually, ExxonMobil has, of the world's supply of helium from a field in Wyoming um and so um so there are other people producing as far as total helium in our area from the dewatering play we need three things first of all to your question we need a disposal well because we are moving a fair amount of water so we need to bring the water to the surface and then inject it in a disposal zone safely uh so that's the first thing so we drill disposal well our producing wells, we drill down to about 3,000 feet as we produce this. Uh, the disposal well is about 6,000 feet, so we put it in a whole different horizon. So first of all, we need a disposal well. That's a really important part of the infrastructure. Uh, second of all, we need three-phase power. Uh, if you're out in the middle of of Arizona or some uh, western place, you may not necessarily have the power. Uh, you certainly don't have the disposal zone. We're Blessed with a really good disposal zone where we're from, where we're. Producing. What makes it
1: what makes it so good as a disposal zone? Uh,
0: it's is a it? It, it takes it on a vacuum. Okay. So it it sucks for lack of a better word. It just and you don't need to you don't need to have energy to put it down. You just hook it up and it just it it takes it all and there's there's Sounds plenty, of, plenty of plenty availability, but not only the disposal but you need three phase power. Uh, what we do is we will run a submersible downhole pump, so the motor is down hole and you have electrical wires that go down and we move this water out really quickly uh, to dewater it to increase the gas and then probably one of the most important things is the infrastructure Jason we are literally already selling our methane our helium into the pipeline um, and we're getting paid we're getting paid for it and it's just being in the middle of the infrastructure where the the um, the plants to take the liquids out, and then the liquefaction of the helium—that is
1: key. Sure. Econ- and and that's what really moves our economics here. What does a trans- What does that transport situation look like? Exactly like from the moment it leaves the well to the moment it gets in the pipeline. Is it, it does it it goes directly into the pipeline? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. We, we we build our own. We build
0: our own midstream pipelines to get into gotcha. the uh,
1: uh, the plants pipelines. Okay. Um, before we wrap up. Um, just uh, want to ask about Helium's financial situation real quick. Uh, you know, maybe you could give give us uh, give the audience some insight on you know how much cash you have on hand or last reported, um, how much runway you have, and if you're currently profitable or not. And if you're not, then w- you know what the what the kind of time horizon on that is. Okay,
0: those are great questions. First of all, we're making money on our wells, which is a good, which is a good thing. Uh, we just released our annual report. We raised uh, ten million dollars. We got six million dollars left in the bank uh as of as of march uh so we've been trying to be very frugal sure uh with our resources um and then we have other streams of of revenue not only coming in from from lindy uh but but our wells too so for a company that is eight months old
1: yeah i was really surprised we're, we're pretty... i was really surprised to learn that i figured you guys had been around for a while but when i was i was reading the uh the, the that um yeah. A, a research report. And it was saying that you guys had only been around for like six yeah. months at the time of it. And but, then I thought that's crazy. But again, yeah. I, I
0: invested millions of my own money in buying all these leases. Um, and uh, and I worked on it for two and a half years before sure. we, 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 we became
1: public. Fair. Um, okay, Robert, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I kind of want to give you some uh, some room to maybe, like, you know, if you think we didn't mention anything, if you want to plug something. I know that you have a conference coming up in uh, in Denver. In, is it in, is it in August, next month?
0: No, it's actually the, next Tuesday. It's called Intercom.
1: Okay. Um, it is – we are
0: – I'd say we are by far the smallest company speaking at Intercom. Okay. This is where – What do you guys valued at right now? Um, it's it's about U.S., about $30 million. Okay, so you guys are still tiny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but at Intercom, it's a um, – it's where the world's oil and gas financial community all meet in one place. They've been doing it in Denver, Colorado for the past 25 years. Uh, we'll be presenting. We are by far the smallest company presenting. It's mostly multibillion-dollar companies that are presenting. And what's really a pleasure for me is to be able to share what we're doing uh, with you know our oil and gas colleagues. Yep. Um, and And then the private equity and all the – um, you know, larger, larger investors, um, they, they, they can appreciate what we're
1: doing. We're, we're onto something, Jason. Okay. And we're really close to it. Are you going to be presenting personally absolutely. there? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Is there going to be a deck or something? Maybe we can, Absol- like, yeah, we can yeah, put yeah. a link it, in it, the description. Yes, so absolutely. That, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Robert, thank you. Jason, com- <laughs> you're awesome, <man. laughs> Thanks for coming this on the show. This was great. Yeah. Thank, um, thanks a lot. It's it's been great to have you here. Um, for everyone who's watching, uh, you know, if you like the content, uh, click the like button. If uh, if you're watching this video still and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, and if you want to see more of these videos, more of these interviews uh, with you know you know companies like Total Helium, yep. then uh, just leave a comment and let us know. And we'll see you next time. Awesome. Right thanks. Thanks again. Okay. See ya.